Welcome to Prescribing Prosperity with your hosts, John and Alex Sutsos from MidWealth Financial Services, operating through IPC Securities Corporation. In this podcast, we provide unique insights into wealth management, the psychology of financial decisions, and help listeners place the capital markets into perspective. Our aim is to help physicians, business owners, and other medical professionals to live their dream. Life is to live and enjoy, so we'll also cover health and lifestyle-related topics such as food, dining, travel, and unique experiences. Learn how global trends shape our investment strategy as we help you assemble your roadmap to prosperity. Hello, and welcome to the Prescribing Prosperity Podcast. This is the inaugural podcast for Prescribing Prosperity. So let's take some time in this first first go around to give an idea who you are and about your practice and what it is that you're offering people who might be listening to the program and intrigued by what they hear. So, John, I'm going to start with you. You're the senior in this partnership. How did you make the decision to get into this industry? And tell us a little bit about your history. Well, I had a friend who was an avid investor when I was a young guy in university, and he got me hooked on investing. At the time, I was just getting into uh, penny stocks, which are highly speculative and uh, therefore highly risky. But I really enjoyed my economics courses in university, and I was intrigued by the whole subject matter. And I thought it would be a great way to earn a, a good living. So that was uh, what piqued my interest and uh, why I wanted to get started. Man, how long have you been doing this? Since I've been alive. (laughs) 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 Or at least it seems that That's a heck of a history, John. (laughs) Yeah. Since I was uh, 24 years old. So this is a uh, 37-year career in counting. People often ask me when I plan to retire. Warren Buffett is 93, Charlie Munger is 100. So that's that's my uh, range. Hey, well, then it's totally understandable. I think a lot of people share your, your feelings about that. Alex, this is kind of a loaded question, uh, given that John's sitting there with you. How did you make the decision to go into this industry? It, 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 maybe a little family influence? I don't know. Uh, I mean, it was uh, it was always suggested to me, but I, from the time I was young, I wanted to uh, make a cognizant decision to not do exactly what my dad did. I wanted to do something separate. I, I didn't want people to think that I was standing on his shoulders. And so I ended up going into a different segments of the business industry. First, I worked at a mutual fund company and then ended up going to get my MBA so I could work in capital markets. And But after doing consulting for a couple of years, it was a, it was an ex- incredibly exciting and interesting experience, but it, I knew it wasn't where I wanted to spend the rest of my life. And what really excited me more than doing consulting for the next 20 or 30 years or however long I would have done it was the idea of working with my dad and helping to grow his business. You know, I, we focused a lot on growing other companies and other people's businesses and what we could do to unlock value. And so for me to take that approach or take that skill set and apply it to my dad's business was uh, was really exciting. So that's how I ended up here. All right. Well, John, maybe you could tell us who you work with a little bit. Give us an idea of, you know, what's your specialty, if you have a specialty. Well, we work primarily with people who are in the final 10 years of retirement and people who are already retired. Uh, We are focused on the physician, 
group for the purposes of marketing our services. And we do have a, a fairly large number of physicians as our client base, but we also have others who are small business owners and just people who have been prolific savers over the course of their lifetime who've accumulated sizable nest eggs and we manage their money as well. But if you had to corner me and say, who do you work with? Uh, we deal with primarily physicians and medical professionals uh, within 10 to 15 years of retirement or, or or recently retired and are trying to enhance their wealth. Uh, and if not enhance their wealth, ensure that they don't run out of capital before they run out of life. I'm referring back to the answer before this one, John, since nobody ever retires, <laughs> I'm not quite sure. <laughs> well, okay. So so t retirement is a 20th century concept. There was a time in the uh, 60s and before then, maybe even up until the 1970s, where you had people were part of uh, corporations that they worked for for 30 or 35 years, and then they retired, got the gold watch, and got a pension for five years until they had a heart attack and died. And then their spouse would uh, inherit two thirds of their pension then for three or four more years until they had a heart attack and died. And that was it. And that's how, what retirement looked like in the um, 50s, 60s and 70s. But as we know, with globalization and uh, global competition, uh, retirement or pension plans went uh, the way of the dodo bird and are no longer um, actively promoted. So it's all falling on the uh, on the shoulders of the individual and their capacity to save and invest wisely uh, with some guidance. And that makes retirement very challenging. It's also um, another issue of what do you do when you get to that age? Certainly corporations, if you're employed by a corporation, may want to see you go because they're trying to cut back on their expenses. Or if you're self-employed, you may want to cut back and and do things that you enjoy. But the truth is, my generation and uh, generations after me are often well-educated individuals who are have active interests and don't want to sit in front of a, uh, an armchair and watch TV all day long. They want to be actively engaged in the world. And so I think retirement in the 21st century is more like semi-retirement where you are still working, you are still engaged in the community, but you are doing so uh, on your terms uh, for limited hours. And then the rest of the time, you're doing something you, you really have a great passion for, whether that involves community service or starting a new business or what have you. Interesting. How do you describe your specialty and, and what does it mean? And I think it right. would be intriguing to people who are, who are considering financial services and help. Right, absolutely. So, you know, when we when we made the the decision or my dad made the decision prior to me joining to work with doctors and medical professionals, it was largely based on the idea that the doctors and medical professionals out there are not really being well served by the existing infrastructure when it comes to the large institutions like MD management or any of the major uh, financial institutions like the banks or uh, any mutual fund company. The primary reason for that is a lot of these companies tend to use commoditized products. What I mean by that is the, the products are all fairly homogenous. You, you go from one company to the next and they're all highly diversified, in many cases diversified a million different ways for the sake of uh, removing any volatility from a portfolio. But at the end of the day, what ends up happening is these companies provide products that don't generate any rate of return for the client. And so what you have is a situation where, you know, doctors and medical professionals specifically have a lot of 
disposable income, but at the same time, they don't have a lot of free time on their hands in order to manage that money themselves. And so they rely on these companies and then they get to the end of their career and they look at the money they've accumulated and say, well, it's, it's not enough. And so what we try to do is we came in and we have a unique portfolio that is more concentrated and provides a, a greater opportunity for rate of return. So that way these individuals can come and allow us to manage their money on their behalf, invest in our portfolio and the, the construction, the nature and uh, of which we've constructed that portfolio to be defensive in nature. So it eliminates the volatility, but at the same time, have a higher degree of concentration, which provides for the greater opportunity for a higher rate of return, uh, allows them to retire in a much more comfortable position. So they don't feel the need to either work indefinitely or work on a part-time basis. They can choose to have their type of retirement that they want, whether that's uh, you know doing part-time consulting or a, a part-time practice or completely cut out travel the world, do whatever they want to do with the the time and money that they've earned through their hard work in their career. Sure. No, that, that makes absolute sense. John, we're, we're kind of touching on this now, but what is it that y'all do for your clients? Well, the first thing we do, obviously, uh, is to, maybe it's not so obvious, but uh, the first thing we do is we want to take inventory of uh, where they are exactly in their lives. So we determine their annual income, both for the prime primary uh, contact person and their spouse, uh, then establish a, a net worth by summarizing assets and liabilities, determining what the time horizon is before they either stop working or go to a semi-retirement situation. And then I, uh, we do some actuarial work to determine how much money needs to, how much money they need to have at that point in their lives in the future where they're trying to reach their target in order to replace the portion of the income that they're going to lose out from employment. So for example, if um, a medical professional is earning uh, $400,000 on an annual basis, that requires roughly a $10 million asset to generate that income into perpetuity. If that individual wants to replace only half of that, then obviously that means a $5 million asset. Now that is based on traditional actuarial calculations where, whereby to avoid permanent uh, capital depletion or per permanent capital encroachment, you need to withdraw no more than 3.7 to 4% of your, of your assets, assuming a, a balanced portfolio. The, the truth of the matter is that these homogenous portfolio structures that Alexander noted earlier are not achieving rates of return that are going to get to that number uh, and then factor in a buffer for inflation. And so clearly they need to do something a little bit differently. But to continue on the, on the thought of what do we do for people, once we identify what the target asset value in the future is, we, we then do a, an actual, actuarial calculation to bring it to the present value. And if people have five to 10 years or 15 years to retirement, we let them know, here is how much you need to save on a monthly or annual basis, here's the rate of return you we need to achieve on an annual basis in order for you to get to your target. And, and here are the areas in which you must um, focus on to, to ensure your assets are growing in a, a tax-efficient way, whether that be by maximizing their RSPs, tax-free savings accounts, or uh, non-registered accounts or investing uh, within their corporations. So, 
It sort of begs the question, and then I'll, I'll put it on the floor and let whoever to answer this one. Who's your ideal client? It, 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 is it necessarily someone who's been in their practice for a while, or is it somebody who's at the start of their practice, or are you looking more toward people who are sort of in those final stages of their career? Well, I'll, I'll start on this, and then Alexander can supplement my my answer. My ideal or our ideal client is someone who is 10 to 15 years to retirement, uh, is highly motivated to achieve financial independence, but doesn't have the time nor the expertise to do it themselves. And so relies on a professional to, to get it done. And they are prepared to do their part, which means uh, saving uh, a percentage of their income. And that is, it sounds funny, doesn't it? But my one of the, our primary tasks is holding in, uh, our clients accountable. You said you wanted to achieve this objective. In order to get to that objective, this is what you need to do. We'll look after the rate of return part, but you have to look after the savings part. And so sometimes that involves people having to make major lifestyle changes in order to get to their savings objective that we give them. That's what it looks like our our ideal client, someone 10 to 15 years from retirement, medical professional um, who's too busy to do it on their own and uh, doesn't doesn't uh, want to get involved in that. Alexander, you want, and you want to add anything to that? I would say our ideal client is somebody who doesn't complain a lot, but I don't think you can specify that in advance. That's everybody's uh, ideal client. <laughs> yeah, exactly. For the most part, I think my dad uh, covered it fairly well there. Yeah. Um, most of our clients that, that we deal with are in the half a million dollars and or start out with at least a half a million dollars in mm-hmm. household assets and at least $100,000 in one account. That's for our, our Canadian clients. We're also looking to start an off for a fund in the future so that way we can market our portfolio to non-Canadian investors. And so we haven't finalized exactly what the thresholds will be over there, but uh, we're thinking about at least a, a million dollars in, in assets in order to make the portfolio feasible. Just, just to elaborate further on Alexander's response, we do have a minimum threshold to join our business or to to have us uh, manage their money. And that minimum threshold is half a million. However, if that's all a person has, they're well behind. Because if you're uh, 15 years prior to retirement or 10 years before retirement, and uh, that's the totality of your assets, you're really, really behind. And uh, it does require some um, perhaps more aggressive uh, savings and investment strategies to, to try and get you to your target. Typically, what we find is that we come across people who may have already saved a million or a million and a half. And so in order to engage with us, uh, we ask that they carve out a minimum of half a million. But in an optimal situation, you don't want people slicing and dicing their asset pie in that fashion. When you slice and dice your asset pie three ways or four ways, what ends up happening is although you are a substantive client, the truth of the matter is larger accounts will get more attention. No one wants to hear that, but that's the truth. So if you if you want to get uh, the attention you deserve uh, and you have a million and a half or $2 million, it's optimal to consolidate your assets with one organization, with one quarterback, with one cook in, in, in the kitchen and not split it up 
three or four ways because uh, not only are you diluting the strategy and you're not going to get to your target, you might also be receiving conflicting advice. So yes, we have a minimum and our ideal client has meets that minimum, but optimally our ideal client will have a million and a half dollars uh, because the the timeline is is very limited when you're 10 to 15 years prior to retirement. Now, the other optimal client, just to elaborate a bit further, is the one who's just retired. And the principal concern of someone who is just retired, whether partially or fully, is will I run out of money? You know, when you get a paycheck every month, you don't tend to worry about financial markets. Once your uh, steady paycheck ends, all of a sudden, we find investors are very sensitive to market volatility. And that's why I designed my model portfolio in a fashion to minimize uh, volatility, but at the same time, not stop it from providing above average rates of return. So our, our ideal client, other than 10 to 15 years from retirement, is someone who's just retired and is looking for something that's going to be able to give them peace of mind that they will not run out of capital prior to running out of life. Yeah, now, in, in all of this sort of begs the question, and Alex, I'll throw it to you, and, and John, you may want to pick up on it. If you're holding people accountable, you clearly have to educate them, I would think. So what kind of client education do you do to help not only hold them accountable, but help them understand what they need to do and their role in things and what they might expect? Yeah, absolutely. That's a, that's a great question. And it starts out with just uh, the first thing we want to do is we want to help them understand how exactly the financial markets work. Because the, the last thing we want is the clients come on board and and get spooked by a, a sudden movement in the market or sudden change in their account value. And we, we want them to understand the nature of how the market works, the fact that there is volatility from uh, time to time, just like there is in the real estate market. We just don't see it because it's not a an asset that's uh, marked to market on a daily basis like stocks yeah. and, uh, and bonds are. So we provide that financial market education for them so they have an understanding of what the assets are. Then we we speak with them about how we can maximize your assets. So like my dad mentioned briefly, it's, it's, very, it's basically an actuarial exercise where you have to start at the end and work your way backwards and say, okay, here's the target that you need to get to. In order to achieve that target, we need to hit these intermediate milestones along the way. If you're not meeting these intermediate milestones, whether that be setting money aside uh, at a certain rate or achieving a certain rate of return, or in uh, many cases, both, then you're unlikely to be able to reach that end target. Closing your eyes and hoping for the best is not investment strategy as much as, uh, <laughs> as some people that we've come across would, uh, would like to believe so. And so we, uh, we try and provide that, uh, that training, that education for them to say, okay, let's work together. Let's look at what your revenues are. Let's look at what your expenses are, just the same as a business would be. Let's try and see, okay, what do you absolutely need to survive? What do you need to be comfortable? What do you want for discretionary spending? And then how much can we then set aside after all of those and, and maybe adjust some of those variables in between in order to make sure that you're setting aside enough so that we have enough money at the end based on the rate of return that we're projecting. And, and then the final item that we provide is executive training. So a lot of times we, uh, as my dad mentioned, we deal with clients who are generally a little bit later in life. And so when they are in that stage of, uh, of their life, they're starting to plan for the transition of their assets to their their family and loved ones and whoever they uh, they plan to leave that to. 
And so when they do that, they have to name an executor for their will. And uh, a lot of people, a lot of executors come into those situations and they have no experience about what to expect, what to do, what the responsibilities are going to be. And so we provide executor training services so that way we can help prepare them and their family. So the, the actual passing and transition of those assets is as smooth as possible because we all know it's a, it's a difficult and it's a, a stressful time in anybody's life when a loved one passes away. And so we want to try and eliminate as much of the unnecessary stress as we possibly can. Absolutely. Sorry, just to complete the thought. How do we educate our clients? Every week, I write a newsletter mm. that summarizes the market activity of the preceding week, but also, in addition to providing that summary, I provide my own insights into the implications of what has just happened and my expectations for how things are trending. Obviously, no one can tell the future, and I don't pretend to know the future any more than anybody else. All we can do is identify trends and, and uh, macro macro trends and, and then uh, project them to for a limited time into the future. But in, embedded within the newsletter are lessons on investing. So I'll cover things like uh, FOMO, fear of missing out as an investor impediment, just as one illustration. And and every so I begin with every newsletter with a quote, and then I ex- expand on the quote to uh, indicate what it means and how it translates to the investment field. So during that newsletter, I will provide client education, uh, not only uh, about psychological biases as what I just described, but also things like what is a U.S. small cap? What is uh, a mid cap? What's a large cap? Why U.S.? Why not Canada? Why the U.S.? Why not Europe, etc.? So there's education going on there. Also throughout the year, we we host dinner presentations. And during the dinner presentations, there is additional retirement planning education that goes on. And we invite both clients and prospects to attend our dinner presentations in order to to continue to educate clients. This is fascinating, and I, we've got a lot to get through here because this is the inaugural podcast uh, where we learn a little bit about what you guys do. Uh, it does beg sort of the question, on based on everything we've heard so far, what, what kind of support staff do you have? I mean, you're, you're providing attention, you're providing education. Uh, what kind of team do you have behind you? Well, I've been at this for quite a long time. So I have um, a few people who've been with me for quite some time. We have three support staff. Our our leading administrator is uh, Sarah Rankin, uh, and she is supported by Nancy Fennick. Um, Nancy's principal role is to uh, schedule appointments, but also take care of some uh, behind the scenes administration. Mm-hmm. Sarah is the client facing individual who handles all incoming queries and uh, and processes them. And she also takes care of documentation. Uh, we also have a, a senior person named Rita and uh, Rita's job is quality control. So she oversees the other two ladies and makes sure everything is running smoothly. So that's our support staff. Alexander handles a lot of the analytical work. So right. when when we meet with a client and we uh, gather information, he's the principal person responsible for gathering that information, analyzing it, and doing the um, actuarial calculations, but also doing the analysis of their existing portfolios. Finally, I do have a, a business partner, uh, Gus Giannis, with whom I've uh, been conducting my business for well over 35 years. 
and Gus is there uh, as a backup in the event that I'm unavailable or Alexander's unavailable. So we're, we all uh, have a good support team. We're connected and licensed through an IPC Securities Corporation, and that's a very large organization, power part of the Power Financial Group of Companies. And there's a very large team of individuals over there who are available to us um, and whenever we need anything. Fascinating. So how do you guys get new clients? I mean, clearly, you're extending yourselves with this podcast and hoping to reach new, a new audience. But typically, how would you uh, how would you acquire new clients? Well, the, most of our um, clients come in from one of two sources: uh, referrals and dinner presentations. Alexander, you want to elaborate on the dinner presentations? It's a lot of times uh, when we host presentations, it's for. Uh, a large group of prospects. Sometimes they're attended by our clients as well. But uh, for the most part, the dinner presentations are an opportunity for us to uh, meet with people who are either exploring alternative uh, avenues for having their money managed or have been doing it themselves uh, uh, without uh, the level of success that they may have wanted to achieve or are just curious about seeing what other options are out there. And so we host a presentation usually over dinner at, uh, at a restaurant in Toronto or somewhere across Ontario. Mm-hmm. And we present our, our perspective on the market, our, the way our portfolio is constructed, why it's constructed the way that it is in order to provide clients with the type of security and return that they are looking for. And then just to also provide them with a little bit of context and understanding about how the, the current environment may not be living up to or meeting the needs that they're going to have. I think a lot of people have, a, have an inkling about it. That's why a lot of times why they, un, they attend the presentations is they're not totally satisfied. But at the end of the day, until they see it uh, presented in black and white numbers, I think it's, it can be a little jarring. You know, one of our recent clients, actually, when he attended the presentation, he, he mentioned that it was one of the numbers that we presented in terms of how much money he needed to retire and where he was at right now that really alarmed him and, and you know, drove him to, I, I gave him our contact information. He called me the next day and he said, you need to meet. I need to, I need to speak with you guys because I'm nowhere close. It's, it's a great opportunity for people to come out and learn about what we have to, what we have to offer, what they currently are getting right now, and then reevaluate what, what their situation is. Well, I'm, I'm kind of curious. Do you get new clients based on a referral from the clients that you currently have? Yes. Having been in the business for such a long time, I have a lot of uh, satisfied clients and so, yes, we do get referrals. Uh, and that being said, uh, one of them, um, my strategic moves was, uh, although Alexander did it voluntarily, in joining my practice, it has allowed me the uh, the ability to increase my capacity in terms of servicing clients. So we do try and limit the number of households we deal with in order to ensure that we provide a high level of service. The fact that Alexander's on board now is making that a little bit easier to take on some additional clients. That's excellent. As we wrap up this first episode, why don't you tell the folks who are listening what certification designations or education that, that you both have? Uh, for me, I uh, so I, I have my Bachelor of Commerce. I specialized in finance and majored in economics from uh, U of T. I've also got my MBA from uh, the Rotman School of Management at, uh, at U of T as well, where I uh, graduated on the Dean's List and as a Brightman Scholar. Uh, in addition to that, I've also completed all of my necessary Canadian securities courses, the uh, Canadian securities course itself, uh, the uh, Wealth Management Essentials, Conducts and Practices Handbook. And uh, I'm also working towards uh, obtaining my uh, uh, my designations to become a portfolio manager. So I've completed the uh, level one of the CFA. 
and uh, we'll be completing uh, all my all my necessary training in order to become a fully licensed portfolio manager like my dad. Foundationally, I began with a Bachelor of Arts from York University, majoring in economics. From there, when I joined the securities industry, obviously there's a series of courses you had to complete in order to qualify, write exams, et cetera, and pass. Uh, but over the course of time, there's uh, continuing education courses that I took to enhance my knowledge. Uh, most importantly, uh, I have my uh, CIM designation that is Chartered Investment Manager. Mm -hmm. That is a, a globally recognized designation that allows a person to be a, a discretionary portfolio manager. Uh, the difference between uh, a discretionary portfolio manager and an investment advisor is an investment advisor, um, although they can give investment advice, the client has to give final approval for any transactions. With a discretionary portfolio manager, the portfolio manager designs a model and uh, can provide variations of that model that incorporates other assets such as bonds. And then once the client agrees to a particular model, the discretionary portfolio manager makes the trades uh, at their discretion without having to consult the client. It's a far more efficient way of uh, managing money. So that's that's my, my principal credential. Uh, in addition, I have uh, something called the EPC, Elder Planning Counselor, which was a certification I received many years ago after completing uh, several courses that trains you on how to deal with people who are in the later stages of life and have some unique uh, attributes and characteristics, in including recognizing health conditions uh, in speaking to people. One of the most important things when you're dealing with an older population is the issue of uh, cognitive decline. And we have to be sensitive to identifying that and in order to then make appropriate, uh, take appropriate steps to include other family members in the conversation so that uh, we have some continuity with uh, the management of the assets. I've also taken all the necessary um, estate planning courses and I'm insurance licensed so we can handle um, all aspects of uh, risk management. And you've hinted at this during the course of our conversation, but I want to wrap it up, at least this podcast, with the state for us your basic business investment philosophy for folks that have liked what they've heard and are, and are, are intrigued so far. How do you approach managing their money and, and, and investing their money? And what are your guiding principles? My guiding principles when it comes to managing a portfolio is uh, to be innovative and to be mm -hmm. bold and to utilize a, a concentrated portfolio that has a, a hedge to protect against eventual drawdowns that markets bring from time to time. Sure. I, I like to remind clients whenever markets get volatile that panic is not a good strategy. So people are coming to us because they're looking for something better something that's uh, not available everywhere out there in the marketplace, something that's going to get them to their, to their ultimate destination. Panic may not be a good investment strategy, never has been, never will be, but, but when yeah. you're sitting there looking at the markets, do what they do from time to time. Uh, it's a little hard to remember that, don't you think? It, it is hard to remember. And this is why um, we have regular meetings with our clients throughout the year, uh, oftentimes three to four times a year, and plus the weekly newsletter. So uh, with a weekly newsletter, that is constantly um, uh, something that is drilled into uh, the psyche of of the reader is understanding the nature of markets and how they work and, and not. To, and aside from not panicking, the other thing, 
psychologically that affects people is they they're looking for arithmetic progression in the in the growth of their capital like a GIC where uh, for for uh, or GIC stands for guaranteed investment certificate or certificate of deposit for our american listeners when you're investing in in guaranteed instruments you get uh, an arithmetic progression in in from in the interest rate you're receiving but when you're investing in the capital markets, it doesn't work that way. It comes in spurts, fits in spurts. So you can have prolonged periods of nothing and then make 20% very quickly. And that is something that requires a psychological adjustment. So that's a part of what we do in our in our ongoing education. The education is ongoing. It's not a, a one-time thing. Although I, I will say that in our first meeting that we have with clients, I, I do tend to spend a lot more time providing a lot of this education upfront so that when the relationship is uh, somewhere down the road, people can always reference that first meeting and I can reference and say, do you recall when we first met, I said to you X, Y, and Z and uh, X, Y, Z for our American listeners. And so there's no need to worry about this because I've been through this before and uh, we'll get through it. Alex, you want to add some uh, final thoughts here? Uh, we're focused primarily on defensive sectors, and uh, and it's innovative in that nobody else on the uh, in the market is doing what we do. So uh, we encourage people to uh, to reach out, and we can always uh, tell them more about it in person. That would be fantastic. How would they get a hold of you if they wanted to do that? Uh, so we've got a number of different ways they can reach out to us. So they can send us an email at info at medwealth.ca. They can visit our website at med-wealth.ca or give us a call at 905 905- Five six eight two thousand for our Canadian customers. We have a toll free number as well one triple eight five six eight eleven seventy. Toll free is good. I like those numbers. <laughs> the, these days with WhatsApp and all the technology, you don't even need it. But. I know. Thank you for listening to this inaugural podcast. If you like what you heard, be sure to hit that subscribe button down below there, so that the next episode will be automatically delivered to your listening device, and you won't miss an episode. We also humbly ask that if you liked it, that you share and rate the podcast. In doing so, you will help others find it. I'm Bill Tucker. Thank you again for listening. Until next time. Thank you for listening to Prescribing Prosperity. Visit our website at med-wealth.ca. That's med-wealth.ca for more information or to connect with us for a consultation. Don't forget to click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the hosts and their guests and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of IPC Securities Corporation. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investment advice. Always seek the advice of a qualified and licensed financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment or retirement planning. MedWealth Financial Services can provide a private consultation to help you determine the suitability of any guidance discussed on the show.